Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable if you do the work. Being Boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Hi, I'm Emily, and I own Indie Shopography, where I help passionate entrepreneurs establish and grow their business online by helping them build brands that attract and websites that sell. I help my clients launch their business so they can do more of what they love and make money doing it. And I'm Kathleen. I'm the co-owner of Brave Creative, where I specialize in branding and business visioning for creative entrepreneurs who want to blend who they are with what they do narrow in on their core genius, and shape their content so they can position themselves as experts to attract more dream clients. And Being Boss is a podcast where we're talking shop, giving you a peek behind the scenes of what it takes to build a business, interviewing other working creatives, and figuring it out as we go right there with you. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. Welcome to Being Boss, episode number 38. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. On today's episode, we're chatting with a very prolific and interesting creative entrepreneur, Jason Zook. Stay tuned. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help creative entrepreneurs get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. Later in this episode, we're talking to Jason about how oftentimes creatives feel like they didn't get into business to do all the hard businessy stuff like accounting, but FreshBooks makes it so super easy and intuitive. It's so easy to use. Forbes magazine, in fact, calls FreshBooks incredibly user-friendly. Um, you'll also save time billing. FreshBooks customers spend less time on their paperwork, freeing up to two days a month to focus on the work they love. So imagine what you could get done in two days. It will also help you grow your business and just look legit. All right, you guys, bill like a boss and try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. We promise you will get so much out of it. All right. I'm so excited. Emily and I are both really looking forward to chatting with Jason Zook today. You all might know Jason from one of our favorite podcasts, Invisible Office Hours, with our boss boyfriend, Paul Jarvis. And Jason seems to always have a new and kind of intense project up his sleeve. I just read somewhere that Jason has made over a million dollars by essentially selling advertising space on his body with t-shirts and has sold his last name twice. Um, Jason has also, this is the most impressive to me, I mean a million dollars, whatever, but Jason has also <laughs> written almost a million words in the last two years, so I'm really excited to tap his brain there. So Jason, it's so good to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, boss ladies. I appreciate it. I feel like since Paul's the boss boyfriend, I'm like the boss, like... Third wheel. Third wheel. Yeah, I'm, just like, <laughs> I'm just trailing behind. I'm like, guys, can I come to the movies too? And you're like, fine, jeez. <laughs> So, but that's okay. That's okay. No, I will we're earn, glad to I will, have you on. I will earn and I think we're now. planning for the four of us to do a fun little project together at some point. Yeah, so. that'll be really exciting. I, I think that I, 
Because I told some people that I was going to be on the show, and they're like, oh my gosh, I love it because Paul was on the show. So now you guys, so I think there's a nice little circle of love going on and us just all telling it like it is, which makes me excited. So I love you guys. All right, so Jason, and I feel like I keep on almost calling you Paul. Ooh, hey, that's fine. <laughs> oh, I look, I no, look that's bad. Like it, no, it's fine. If it's if it slips and you call me Paul, it just is, that's Paul's third appearance now on the show. And, <laughs> and he just has an invisible presence, you know, from our podcast. He's just here with us. Yes, always, always. Yeah. Jason, tell us a little bit. So I gave a little bit of a snapshot, but tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you're up to, what you're known for, and what you're doing right now. Yeah, I'm most known for being the crazy guy who got paid to wear t-shirts for a living for five years and made over a million dollars doing it. Um, I wrote a book about that called Creativity for Sale. And also in that book uh, is the story of how I sold my last name twice, which a lot of people when they first hear that, they're like, oh, this guy, ultimate sellout, selling his last name. I've had six last names now. So for me, like I'm not someone who gets their sense of identity or their livelihood or their story from uh, who their last name is and their heritage. So yeah, it was a really interesting thing for me during the I Wear Shirt business to my mom had a, a third divorce, unfortunately. And how do you deal with that? You know, how do you pick a name? I had a name I didn't want anymore. It was terrible circumstances. And so yeah, it led me to selling my last name. And then once people kind of hear that, they're like, oh, and I had so many people come out of the woodwork. They were like, I can relate. Like I have this last name. I went through a divorce or I don't like my family or whatever. And it was so funny to meet all these kindred spirits that hated their last names or didn't want their last names. Uh, and then I had a lot of people asking me to sell their last names. So I felt like I almost became a last name pimp for a while. Like, <laughs> I, I was like really close to just like auctioning off people's last names for them. But I did not. I did not. I couldn't bring myself to do that. Um, so yeah, I wrote this book. It's the uh, I think the first fully sponsored book ever, 204 sponsors uh, that basically crowdsourced the, the, my kind of initial payment to me for the book. And it was 75,000 books or $75,000 that I raised before selling a single copy of the book. So that's the stuff that I'm most known for. And then right now, uh, as of this thing going live, I am selling my future which we will talk about, I'm sure, which is just ridiculous. Uh, but you're right. I do these kind of big, intense, crazy, weird projects because I just don't fit in. And I know that I don't, so I just I let myself just do whatever I'm going to do. Wait, tell me more about that. Not fitting in. Because that's something I've always – I was actually just telling a friend of mine this other day. We were talking about creative entrepreneurship and um, kind of using your weaknesses as a superpower. And I I've always been voted most um, nonconformist through middle school and high school and always just kind of felt like a little bit of an outcast. And now I feel like that's a little bit of my superpower whenever it comes to helping encourage other creatives to be who they are 100% of the time in work and life. So I'm curious to hear you whenever you said that. What do you mean by that? What does that mean for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you ladies felt the same way, but when I was growing up, like I felt that there was something different within me. Like I, even if I was weird or if I was bullied or whatever, I still felt like that was unique. That was interesting. That was, that was like you said, your superpower. I mean, when you're a kid, it doesn't feel like a superpower at all because you feel so alienated. But I just, I, you know, I kind of resisted it for so long. And so I never was the entrepreneurial kid. I never started my own business. I didn't do any of that stuff, which surprises people because I've done so many weird things in the past nine years. Uh, But I got out of college. I did the college thing like everyone else. 
and I got a normal job working nine to five. And I sat there every day for three and a half years, just thinking to myself, this is not my world. I should not be here. And the only thing that was sitting in front of me that I could look up, up to was a corporate ladder, right? Like this, I hate normal ladders. So I'm staring at this, oh, I can become this marketing director and then I can become this, uh, you know, CMO and like all this stuff. And I'm like, really? That's, that's, that's it for me? That is the path that I can have in front of myself? And I read Seth Godin's book, The Purple Cow. And that was really the first nonfiction book that I had read. The, the only book I'd read before that that I remembered was James and the Giant Peach. So that tells you the gap in time to which I picked up a book and read a book. But I read this book, and it almost gave me permission to just embrace my own purple cow, to embrace my own weirdness. And that was the moment when I basically said, this is enough. I I'm going to try and go down this other path. I don't have any responsibilities. I, I wasn't married. I don't have any kids. I don't have any dependent. Nothing depends on me. So why not take a big risk now, leave this comfortable world, and really like dig into that feeling inside me and see what happens. And so I did. And that's, that's what's led me. And that's what continues to drive me. You know, Every time I start to do something that's a little bit similar to other people, I feel so uncomfortable. I do. I just, it's, it's within my nature, I think, just to be different and to embrace that. And I've just, you know, I've seen the rewards of it financially. I've seen the rewards of it of people who follow along because they feel the same way. And I think there's so many people out there who fight their inner urges and their inner gut feelings, and we should embrace those. You know, we should, like you said, turn those into our superpower. What is it that makes me so different from you two awesome ladies? Well, I should use that to my benefit in everything that I do because that's what makes me stand out. So, yeah, that's I, I've thought so much about that stuff. You know, I wrote about it in my book, and and that was very cathartic. And you mentioned the almost a million words written in two years. Uh, that in itself was very helpful for me to give myself permission to say. This is who I am. And this if you're if you're not okay with it, bye. If you are okay with it, join me on the ride and let's have fun and let's do all these weird things that I want to do. Oh, I want to amen all over that. <laughs> just so everyone knows. Everyone take like eight shots. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> eight. <laughs> eight shots. Eight amens. Um, I really loved hearing all of that. And it's a good reminder because even on the path of creative entrepreneurship, it's easy to see what other people are doing, even if it is out of the box. So for example, someone could see what you're doing, Jason, and say, I want to sell my last name and then kind of still following someone else's path. Um, I'm curious to hear about, it sounds like a lot of the stuff that you've done have maybe been passion projects. That's a word that we use to describe something that you're, you follow because you're curious and maybe not so much because it's a money-making endeavor, or maybe it is. I think you could frame up a passion project in a few different ways, but I want to, I'm curious about um, how you kind of give, create parameters around passion projects and experiments and new ideas, because it sounds like you're trying lots of things and lots of things are kind of out of the box. So how do you set that up for yourself? Yeah, I um, I go through a, a lot of different phases when it comes to ide ideation and creation and, and launching things. And I think the first thing that I've really learned about myself is that I get so excited about new ideas. And I think all creative entrepreneurs can relate, right? Shiny object syndrome is through the roof with me. A new idea comes and I'm like, everything else I'm doing, just throw it away and let's go do this cool new thing. And so what I've started to do is I've said, okay, I got to pump the brakes because that's not a sustainable business. It's not a sustainable lifestyle. I need to sit here and I need to say, is this something I should really be doing? And so I basically, with every idea that I have, I write them down just because I like tangibly writing things down. But then I make sure I give it a week. 
So I will, I will step away from an idea no matter how amazing I think it is or no matter how much I want to do it. And if I still want to do it in a week, if I still can't stop thinking about it, then I take next steps going forward. And that moment of pause really creates a nice sense of understanding for me of, is this something that just was exciting or is this something that I'm actually like passionate about or curious about or that I want to do? And the next step from there is to really find out, is this thing going to solve a problem for somebody else or is it just something for me that's interesting? And I think both are okay. You know, I've done projects that have been for other people and for other businesses. I wear your shirt was very much, it wasn't like a passion project for me. I mean, I liked t-shirts, but I didn't love talking about a company every day and, you know, kind of schlepping their logo. But I, I found that it was a unique moment in time for social media to like create advertising and marketing on that platform. Um, but when I think about other projects that I'm working on, uh, like Bump Sale is a perfect example. That is totally a passion project. You know, that is an incremental pricing structure thing where you can create a little button and it, you know, Paul and I use it to sell a bunch of stuff. It's how I sell a lot of my things. Wait, and did you invent that? Basically, yeah. I mean, oh, with I didn't that, realize that. Yeah, because I first heard that structure on your guys's podcast. Yeah, so that's how I wear your shirt launched. That was I used that pricing structure for the calendar. So the whole 2009 calendar was up for sale, and it was a dollar on the first day, two dollars on the second day, three on the third, and just incremented. And then so I turned that into a product. Finally, I mean, you want to talk about waiting too long to do something? Eight years later, like I, I did that eight years ago until I, and then I finally realized, okay, this is a product like we're talking about exactly here. I can't stop thinking about turning this into something that other people can use because it is interesting. It is different. And, and I think that, you know, Paul and I have a whole episode on our podcast about side projects. So I'm not going to go down the diatribe of all that, but I do believe that side projects are so important for, for creative entrepreneurs, especially because it can become an outlet. It can become inspiration for other things. And we focus on our work so much. You know, a lot of us have one thing that we do for money um, that drives most of the hours of our day, but that doesn't really creatively motivate you. It doesn't stretch you. It doesn't make you uncomfortable. For some people, maybe it does, but I think most of us need extra things on the side to kind of keep us going. Yeah. I, I super believe in like the evolution of people's interest. And it's something that I've been thinking of a whole lot lately where, you know, I think in like traditional, like career paths like you're supposed to change careers every like eight years or something like that like that's that's a normal cycle for career change and I think for those of us who find ourselves in like this creative entrepreneur realm where we kind of get to decide what we want to do on any given day like there's a natural evolution to what it is that we want to do and whether it is you know focusing on creating a single product for three years or offering a service for two years or whatever it is like I think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs go into this thinking that the decision that I make today for what I'm going to do for my future is what I'm going to have to live with for the next, you know, 10 years of my life. Whereas that's not the case at all. Like you do it for a year or two or until you're tired of it. And then you find your next thing. I think there's so much power in giving, giving yourself and everyone the permission to explore passion projects and to have those side hustles and to see and like really see where they're going to go. I know being boss for Kathleen and I was totally just a thing. We're like, Hey, let's just sort of start this podcast. And now we spend more and more time on it and put more and more energy on it or into it because it feeds us so much more. It it feeds me more than my one-on-one projects these days. Like the thing that I've been building for the past five years is something that I feel sort of slipping into the back of my mind. I think that's really powerful. That idea of, of, 
giving yourself permission to do passion projects, dreaming up whatever it is that you want to do, and totally exploring any and all of them, especially if they sort of test or they uh, pass that week-long test of, is this just a funny idea, or is it something that can actually help myself or others? I think um, pursuing things like that is exactly what we have to do to keep interested in what we do, to learn new things. Because, you know, five years ago, I was learning how to code websites. I don't want to learn how to code websites anymore. Like, I want to learn how to make gluten-free muffins taste amazing. That's what, <laughs> that's what I want to learn right now. And I think that that makes you more a more interesting person. Like, weird or not, it simply makes you more interesting. Um, so good. I'm glad that you do that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with <clears throat> we grew up with this idea and, and this gets forced into you in school is you're going to have one career for your life. Bullshit. Like, no, you Amen. know, I, I remember those things when I was growing up where I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm gonna have to do one thing for 30 to 50 years and I'm not allowed to do anything else. No, like that. I'm, I don't subscribe to that. I'm not, I don't believe in that. And so I think that you're, you're very right. And that these things, they help stretch you, they help you grow. Um, like we've been talking about. And I think the one thing, so as we talk about new ideas, and, and this is something that I've learned a lot recently is that feedback is very dangerous when it comes to these new ideas, because, um, you know, we all as creators, will have lots of ideas. We'll put lots of things out there. And unsolicited or solicited, people will give you feedback. And a lot of times it comes from close friends, it comes from family, and they'll say something that m might derail a project or an idea. And I think we've all been there. I mean, everybody listening to this has had some idea that someone has told them this isn't going to work. And even if 100 people say yes or they give you money for it or whatever, that one person is the one that stands out in your mind. And so what I've really learned, because I've done some crazy stuff, I've done some weird stuff on the internet, uh, which sounds like porn, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> But I've done, I've done a lot of weird stuff that people close to me that, you know, whatever have given me, you know, feedback on it saying like, you shouldn't do this or this isn't going to work. And now what I do is I look at that through a microscope and I go, who is this person? What are they doing in their life? Are they actually happy in their career? And are they just projecting their fears on me? And most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, it is the truth. That person has no, their, their feedback has no bearing on what I should be doing because they're afraid. They don't want to do that thing. And so I've just learned over the years that when I'm doing these things, and, and I think any creative entrepreneur, when you're doing anything, even if you're making gluten-free muffins, and someone tells you this muffin sucks, has that person ever made a gluten-free muffin? Has that, does that person love muffins? Do they eat muffins all the time? Like, are they a muffin connoisseur? Because if they're not, then you just go, okay, well, I'm going to take your feedback with a grain of salt. I'm going to go back and maybe work on this and see if there's some things I can change, but I'm not going to hinge my entire success of my muffin business on this one person's feedback. And I think a lot of us do that in the creative entrepreneur space because we get that feedback so regularly and it comes to us so quickly and, and people are so quick to send us an email or, or tweet or whatever, and we read them because they come to us. So yeah, I've just learned that when it comes to ideation and creating big projects and big things, you have to be really careful when you're getting feedback and knowing who it's from and how to take that feedback. I want to talk for a second about feedback also, because I think it goes both ways. So we've talked a lot, especially on the Being Boss Facebook group, about kind of drowning out the haters, or even whenever it's well-meaning feedback that's a little less than positive, it usually comes from that place of fear. But I also want to talk about how on the flip side, getting the 99% positive feedback, like, yes, do this thing, that actually shouldn't fuel you either. Because if you're constantly looking for feedback, feedback from outside sources, eventually you're, you're, you have no foundation. It's going to crumble. And so you need to be doing the things that you want to do 
regardless of whether or not other people support it or don't. So for example, um, I've been thinking recently about turning off the comments on my personal blog, which I don't really even update that often anymore, um, because a lot of them, I, I do get a mostly positive comments. I would say 99% positive comments, um, but I don't, I guess I don't need that feedback anymore either, like I once did. Um, so I would say be careful about everyone telling you that you should do something too and just do it on your own merits for your own reasons. Yeah, I mean, that, that happened for me with this Buy My Future project where I asked for feedback from certain people. So I, I, built, I have a trust circle. And so I talk about this in my book. I talk about this often is um, you should build a trust circle of people who aren't going to cheerlead, who aren't going to give you the positive feedback. Uh, there are people like, you know, for me, that's Paul. Like, I'll send Paul an idea. And while Paul and I really like each other, he will be brutally honest with me. And he will say, this idea, I don't like it. I don't think it's going to work. And I need that because if I just get the positive feedback, then I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to, you know, increase, you know, value of my project or whatever. But with this Buy My Future project, I was asking people for feedback. And then I, I got to a point where I had reached peak feedback. You know, I had I had had enough like you've had with your blog comments, right? You don't necessarily need them anymore for you to create great content for you to put things out into the world. And for me, it was the same thing. I didn't I don't need any more feedback. Like I have everything I need. I've done a lot of testing. I've talked to a lot of people. I'm good to go. And so you kind of have to make that determination in your mind as the creator of whatever it is you're working on and say, okay, now's the time I draw the line in the sand. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. But I have to move forward because if you don't, then you're just going to constantly be like kind of thinking, oh, wait, but what are people thinking? What, what should I be doing? What should I be changing? Instead of going back to what we first talked about, trust your gut. Like you're the one who's creating this thing. You're the one who has the, the superpower, the intelligence, the skill. Put that out into the world and trust yourself. And if it's different, if it's a unique thing, it's hard. I mean, it, let's be honest. This is We live in a space that is, is not well understood, that's not well documented. There's no blueprint for what we do. Um, but that's also what makes it beautiful because it's challenging. Like I get chills thinking about how hard some of the things that, I, that I'm working on are. But I also feel so great when I put them out into the world. And so I think that's just such a unique thing that we can all relate to. And you just have to understand that, you, you know, for you, turn the comments off, right? And, and if you feel like a week later or two weeks later, like, oh, I'm really missing the comments or people are really complaining, you could flip them back on. There's no rule. You're not going to get in trouble. The comment police aren't going to be like, oh, sorry, we got to take your blog down because uh, you turn the comments off and put them back on. That's one thing Emily and I are constantly saying is that nothing is permanent. You can always, and Emily, what do you say? Refine and tweak as you go. Test and change. Test and change. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe refine and tweak. Thesaurus. Same thing. <laughs> okay, so I want to I wanna come around to buy my future, but I want to ask you about the writing project first, yes. particularly because I have fallen out of the habit of writing, and I would love to get back into it. And so I this is maybe... Well, I have a few questions, but one, how did you decide to start, like, tell us a little bit about the writing project Two, that thing about changing your mind along the way. How do you commit to a side project? And then what do you do if you change your mind? Like, what if 200,000 words in, you're like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Like, kind of how you structured the parameters of that project. So the beautiful thing about this, this uh, as I wrote that that article on my site, and it's jasondoesstuff.com slash words, I believe, um, is that I, I had written at that point 800,000 words. And I looked back and I, I had realized how many I'd been writing per day. But what's funny is I didn't start out saying, I want to write a million words, because that's basically what I'm up to now. I want to write a million words. I never established that goal. I never established that as a, as a milestone. I just started writing and said, I want to write consistently every day and see how long I can go and, and see what that, you know, what that looks like. 
And part of that was because um, I knew that writing articles and sending newsletter and stuff was, was something that was interesting to me and that I'd seen a lot of people do and I was getting value from. So I was like, oh, I think I have some experience. I can share some things. So I would just sit down every day. First thing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at social media. I wouldn't look at anything. Uh, you know, I'd have my coffee. And for a lot of people, that part of their day is like a zombie, right? Like you just don't feel like you can get anything done. But I feel like that's actually a good thing because that forces you to get it done at the hardest part of your day which is only going to make it easier going forward because you're going to start to like, you know, it's, it's when you're working at something that you're really bad at. Well, if you keep working at it, you're, you're going to get incrementally better, right? 1% better every day or whatever the inspirational quote would be. Um, but so I just started doing this and I just told myself 500 words per day. Let's see what happens. You don't have to write about anything specific and maybe some good stuff will come of it. And there were days when I sat and I used to have a yoga ball that I sat on and I would just write about the yoga ball. Like I, I had nothing else to write about, but I told myself no blank cursor, no writer's block, just start typing. Like I have to start hitting keys. And sometimes I would have documents that were just random like words, just random things. And then I'd start describing the yoga ball. Oh, the yoga ball, I'm sitting on it. What is a yoga ball? What is yoga? Where did yoga come from? Can I do yoga? Could I do downward dog for like an hour? Oh, that's a weird thought. Has anybody done like a world record for day? And you let your brain go, but you just, you, you capture it, right? Because then all of a sudden, two or 300 words in, I now have like a, oh, wait, how I could apply, you know, the, the tr how difficult yoga is to running my business. Let me write about that. And all of a sudden, I'm writing an article about that that's two or 3,000 words long. And it never would have happened had I not just started. So I did, I just kind of kept that process going every day. And I deleted about 90% of the stuff that I wrote. Because I would look at it and I would go, well, this is just me writing about a yoga ball, so that's garbage. Um, but this is, you know, there's some good nuggets in here that I can pull out. And I would kind of save them in different places. And so as I got through the kind of to the, I guess, the finish line, right, where I just, now I write, it's so easy for me to write because I have done it so much that it is like, if you sit down and you're like, Jason, please write an article on, uh, you know, yoga, whatever. I'm like, okay, good. I'll be back to you in like an hour and I'll have probably 2,000 words written. And it's not going to be a struggle for me because I've, I've built a habit over the years that now that becomes like a, a skill that I've honed and that I've worked on. Um, so that was basically how it started, how it kept going. And so I don't do it anymore. So your, your second question was like, how do we work on like changing whatever? Um, you know, I think it's okay to quit these things. I think it's okay to stop doing things. There's a, there's a negative connotation to uh, stopping doing something because it's like you give up or it's like you fail. No, I, I'm intentionally not doing something anymore because I want to create space for something else or because I got the value I wanted of that thing and I'm moving forward or because it wasn't serving me. And sometimes if people force themselves to do something that they aren't really good at or that they don't, shouldn't be doing maybe, um, it, it can be harmful. You know, it can take away from the overall health of you and your business. And so, yeah, I, I have stopped doing a lot of things, uh, you know, over the years. I've, I've given up on some projects, given up on some habits. Uh, I think we all give up on diets and workouts, like, left and right. But you have to find the one that works for you. And for me, writing has just – I didn't – I never thought that I would be a writer, ever. Uh, and I just started doing it, and all of a sudden, now I'm a writer. And I can say that, and that's cool. And everybody can be a writer. All you have to do is just write. Oh, agreed. I, I love – the idea, like we were just talking about giving yourself permission to start things, to create passion projects, but the flip side of that being giving yourself permission to quit, because that's just as huge, I think, with this like evolution of going forward and, you know, creating whatever it is that you're going to create in the future. It does involve quitting things. Like you can't do all the things. Um, there's not enough brain space or time or any of those things. So giving yourself permission to quit things is 
is huge for doing, I think, what we do, especially in the realm of online business, because the internet changes constantly. It's something that I feel like I'm saying more and more these days because it's, it's becoming faster even. Like you have to be changing, you have to be adding things, and you have to be giving things up as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a really interesting push and pull there of like, how badly do you want to be working on something? You know, when someone says like, I have this dream of building this business, but then after three months, they, they quit. And it's like, okay, uh, I have to, I have to like call you on that one because if that's your dream and you want to build that business, it's going to take longer than three months. It's going to take longer than whatever uh, amount of time it's going to take. So there is a, and, and so I'm totally in agreement with you. You have to stop if things aren't serving you. Uh, but I think it's also one of those things where <laughs> the internet is so fast. Everything comes so quick. We have instant gratification for every single thing that we do. And like, do you remember what, I don't know if you guys remember, like getting an email a couple days later used to be amazing. You'd be like, oh, they responded. Now, if you don't respond in like seven minutes, I'm like, what, do, do Kathleen and Emily hate me? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> why, why haven't they written me back? Like, I see them both on Twitter. They're tweeting. I know that they're on Instagram. I can see they're, they're posting Instagram. Like, and, we, you know, it's this weird thing where now everything is so instant that we relate that to business, too. It's like, well, I should have a 1,000 customers now, you know? I should have a 1,000 true fans. I should have, you know, all this money on recurring revenue every month. Everything should be working. No, it doesn't work that way. It, it, it becomes finding your own path and creating your own space and, and then, you know, doing things along the way that serve your business and learning, should I keep doing this? Should I not? Um, and I think failure is one of the things that it gets talked about a lot, but you don't, if you don't learn from your failure, then you're not, you're never going to grow. And if you don't embrace the failure, like for me, I, I looked at the end of I Rear shirt as a failure because the business didn't continue. But you, you both kind of turn your head. Well, I made a million dollars doing it. Yeah, but I didn't have a million dollars when I ended. I actually was in debt when I ended. So I looked at that as Wait, a failure. Wait, what? Because the business for me like had a crazy arc of it was me and then it was two people in the second year and then five in the third year. And I got up to eight in the fourth year. And it was at that time when social media got super crowded and there were a lot of businesses, a lot of people. And I was spending like $25,000, $30,000 a month in payroll and expenses to keep the business going. But then all of a sudden, if one client didn't pay their bill, I had to leverage debt to be able to pay for that. And I had no clue what I was doing. I had never done this before. So I, I was leveraging debt. And then all of a sudden, oh, a big chunk of money would come in. Oh, well, I would pay my people. I, I wouldn't pay off the debt. And then it just kind of, it never got resolved. And so I looked at that as a failure when it ended, right? And I, I, I held on to that. And now I look back at it on probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me because I learned so much from that experience that I never want to be in debt again. I never want to have that type of type of cash flow going out again. I never want to manage people. I'm not a good manager of people. Um, I also don't want to manage money. Like if there was a way that we could as entrepreneurs just be like, please take my money and make it work for me and then just make sure I have enough to pay my bills, I want that service. I will pay for that service every month. You need a David. I was about to say, I told Emily yesterday, I was like, uh, I need to go deposit some checks for being boss. And I don't know how to do that. Like I've set it up in my life so that other people do these things. I know. And I couldn't help her because I'm the same way. Like I was, you take it to the bank and you hand it to them and say, put it where it goes. Like, what number do I need to write on the back? And it's, these are the things that like, I think business people would laugh at us, right? Because they'd be like, oh, you, you know, creatives, like you, you don't live in the real world. It's like, no, we just don't think that way. You know, like we think in the creative way. I think in the way of like coming up with these crazy ideas. I don't think about, oh, I need to make sure that like my, my payroll taxes are paid. What? Like, I, 
that doesn't make sense. Like, I, it's so hard for me to do that. So, yeah, there's just there's so many things as we're talking about, like building a business and growing a business and changing and quitting and failure and all this stuff that you just don't learn. And I think that one of the best things that you can do is invest in yourself. And we touched on that a little bit earlier, but that's side projects. That's taking a free course on accounting on Linda or Skillshare or whatever and learning like in our time. Right. And I know that FreshBooks has worked with you guys in the past mm -hmm. and like yeah. they have resources, too, that you can dig into. And people think like, oh, well, I don't you know, I don't want to dig in and learn that. Yeah, you should, because it's going to help you in the long run. And I learned the hard way. I would you know, I kind of wish I could go back and learn that stuff, but I wouldn't change it because I learned a lesson that I won't repeat. And now I'll be, be stronger as a person moving forward. Well, and, and one thing that I want to say, too, is that it's pretty easy. Everything has been set up to become easier and easier. So for example, FreshBooks, our sponsor for being boss, um, whenever you sign up, it's it kind of intuitively takes you through it. You don't have to have a degree in accounting. Um, and now, hey, I don't have to do a separate FreshBooks ad because we're talking <laughs> about it now. But it is true. You set it up and it you automatically categorize your expenses. And hey, you give that to your accountant and then they figure it out for you. So it's actually pretty intuitive. But there are other things like that too. For example, I hosted my first webinar recently and I was like, well, shoot, I don't know how to do that. Well, Crowdcast, who's not sponsoring this podcast, it makes it so easy where you just have a Google Hangout and you click the Crowdcast button and bam, you have a webinar. So that's just to say, I think that um, just like technology, the technology boom in the 50s where we're getting things like toasters and washing machines and dishwashers, the same thing is happening now um, as far as apps and the internet goes, as far as making everything easier to run your own business. Yeah, we're having a system boom is what yeah. we're having. Everything is being systemized and it's so much easier. And technology and the internet has made that made that easy for us. But it's also just like, I think that there are enough human beings, there are enough human brains in the world <laughs> these days to make any sort of process like that, that would usually be super painful, much, much easier. Like it is, it is such a beautiful time to be an entrepreneur, like especially an online one where things like accounting or webinars or whatever is so systemized and easy and just click a button and do it. Like there's, there are no excuses guys <laughs> for everyone not to try that passion project right now. Okay. I have a question because one of the things that we preach at Braid is to kind of narrow in on your niche and get really specific about what you do and who you do it for. So I'm curious, um, and a lot of sometimes the thing that we tell people is to just stay on the bus, like to stay on your path and see it through. So how do you address kind of the tension between wanting to see something through even if it's not really serving you or if you feel like you're, you're even not enjoying it um, versus giving up or trying something new or getting distracted by the next shiny object. Like how do you kind of manage that? Yeah. I mean, I think it boils down to how badly do you want that thing? And if, if sitting on the bus makes you so uncomfortable and drives you to an unhealthy life and you know, your relationships are falling apart and, and just everything is not going right then I think it's time to move away. I think it's time to get off the bus. It's time to you know pull the, the emergency cord and say, I got to get off this thing. But I think if you sit there and you go, okay, I see some hurdles. I see some, some speed bumps. Let's just keep the metaphors going. I see some stop signs in, you know, up ahead, and I don't know which way this thing's going to go, but I want this thing more than I'm afraid of all the things that lie ahead of me. 
And, and that's how I've looked at every one of my crazy businesses is that, yeah, they're big and they're scary. And I'm putting myself out there way further than most people would. And a lot of times without a niche, without a, without a specific audience. And that's scary. I mean, I totally agree with you. Anybody starting a business, find a niche, <laughs> establish what you do. And that can change, right? That, that can change next week. That can change one month from now. If it's not serving you and it's not working, you know, figure out a way that you can change it. But as long as you really feel like this is the thing I should be doing, and this is the thing that brings, brings me a lot of value and I'm creating a great value exchange, which is usually like, here's the thing I do. Give me money for that. Okay. Now you get a benefit that cycle works well, then keep doing it and, and keep growing. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's, there's a lot to be said for uh, Joshua Fields Milburn, when the minimalist says this, drudging through the drudgery. There will always be down times. There will always be slow times. There will always be tough moments. There will always be things. Um, another thing to recommend, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Such a good book. It frames all these tough things that you go through in business in a way that actually makes it seem like, okay, these are bad, but they're leading to good. And if I look at it through that lens of like, oh my gosh, the servers crashed or whatever, well, maybe this is an opportunity for us to like pick a better hosting company. Um, you know, oh my gosh, like no one bought this product. Oh, well, maybe this is a, a chance for me to reach out to people who I think would have bought it and ask them why they didn't and learn, oh, I wrote bad sales copy or it wasn't clear what I was selling. You know, you can learn from all of these things. So yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, and I just have seen that in, in, in spades as I've launched all these different things. You know, I want to rewind a little bit to something that you said as far as people saying, it's my dream to do this thing, and then they quit three months later. I want to, I just wanted to point out that a lot of the things I've created and have done in my life were never a dream of mine. So this podcast, for example, is like Emily said, it's one of the things that brings me the most joy. It's the thing that I don't want to quit. Um, I really love doing it. And it was never a dream of mine to start a podcast. It was a decision that happened in a day. So I just wanted to point out that sometimes that's how a project gets started, is that it, it is a decision that happens in a day. Or maybe, you know, I probably should have paused and waited a week before saying yes. Oh, please. <laughs> no, I, I can, with every business I've started, I can point to that exact moment the same as you. Never was it a dream, always a decision in the moment. I wear your shirt was phone calls from our clients. I had a design business at the time and our clients were asking me, Jason, what is social media and should we be on it? And I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. All, you know, like multiple businesses were asking me. And then I walked in my closet a couple days later and was like, look at all these t-shirts with logos on them that I'm wearing for free. These two things that happened led to the start of that business. You know, my mom calling me and saying I'm getting a divorce. That led to me making $100,000 selling my last name twice. I never dreamed of selling my last name. That literally fell into my lap. You know, writing my book, I sat down at a Tex-Mex restaurant eating a burrito and I was super bummed out. And the guy across from the table from me, David Cohen, said, you should write a book about your story. I was like, oh, I know, but I'm not a writer. And he was like, no one's a writer until they start writing. And that was the moment that like, bing, and you know, this Buy My Future project. I would never would have dreamed in my life, like, oh, I'm going to dream to sell my future. No, that project came from really not liking the constant evolution and kind of reinventing of the wheel of the selling process. Of every... Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's, let's dive into Buy My Future. Tell us what that is. So what I'm doing is I'm offering a one-time $1,000 subscription payment, basically, to Buy My Future. So I've created eight projects over the past two years that you get access to, which is five courses, my book, and two web applications in Tea Tree and Bump Sale. Tea Tree itself is an online learning app that's 600 bucks a year. 
And then I'm guaranteeing six projects in the next two years that will be included. So it's... Can you tell us a little bit more about your past eight projects? Yes. So five courses. Uh, we've got the product profit course that I did with Nathan Berry and Paul Jarvis. Uh, I have two sponsorship courses. One that's like an in-depth, get sponsorships for anything. And then one is a newer course that's just about getting sponsorships for podcasts. Um, where I actually interview like number one rated iTunes podcasters, which is cool. Um, finish Your Damn Book, which is another course with Paul, uh, which helps people finish their damn book because we found that Paul and I are unicorns when it comes to writing books. Apparently, like it's really hard for people to sit down and finish their book. Uh, we've just established ways that help us do that. And then the fifth course is one that's called One Week to Profit. It's a uh, seven steps and seven ways to really build a foundation. It's like it's the stuff we were talking about earlier. Business in our time, like building a business in the digital age, requires such different steps than it did 10 years ago. So I just went through and looked at like all the mistakes I've made and basically each day is a different mistake and how you can learn from it and actually find profit in your business that I have as well. So those are the five courses, uh, my book, and then the two web apps. And then so uh, also included in the Buy My Future stuff is six guaranteed projects in the next two years. Two courses, two books, two web apps. One of each of those will be dictated by the community. So they'll choose what they want me to make. And then for the rest of my life, you get access to anything that I create for free and first. So you pay me. So like, let's say you have a retreat or something, like an event. Buy my future. If someone has purchased my future, they get access to that and they don't have to pay a single dime. This so, is so cool. Do you have ideas for some of the things that you want to make first, next? Yeah. So I have, uh, I really want to extrapolate on, extrapolate on this business in the digital age thing. And I want to reach out to people that I know and I want to talk to them and I want to break down, okay, how are you actually building a business right now? And what are the things that are working the best for you? Because it might be like customer validation calls to find customers. It might be email list building. Um, it might be a bunch of other different things, but I want to find out and see where the patterns are from like 20 to 30 different people I know and build an in-depth course that it basically becomes like, you want to start a business, this is where you need to start. This is your MBA in online business. Um, so that's one. I want to write a book on reinvention because I know for me, I was never a person to talk about a lot of my personal stuff. I was never transparent about my hardships. And I think that I have become so different over the years because I've given myself permission to change, like we've talked about multiple times, which is really fun. Um, and then I have a couple different ideas for web apps. Um, one is actually something that I'm using on my site right now where if someone signs up for my email list, that person will never see the sign-up form on my website again because it's dead real estate, right? Like that person never needs to see, hey, sign up, I've already done that. So I show them like, get my book for free, uh, get 50% off of this product because you're a subscriber to my email list. So I wanna build that out for other people to use on their sites. Um, so that's just a handful of the stuff that I'm working on. And listen, I have three other projects that are not even in the guarantee of Buy My Future that are gonna come down next year that are already planned. Um, and you know, you're as a customer who buys My Future, which is such a weird thing to say, you will pay me $1,000 and then you will never pay me again for the rest of my life and for the rest of your life. And you will just continue to get stuff from me. So like, what if you even start a one-on-one -on -one service? That's like, I mean, so I'm even thinking about, so I'm applying this to now everything I've ever created. And out of all of the things that you could buy from me, it's probably about, I don't know, I would say around $10,000 total. Maybe even a little bit more if you include being boss in that bundle. So if, if someone, if I had done this a year ago and someone paid a thousand dollars, they might get $10,000 worth of stuff. So like, even if you create a one-on-one -on -one service where you're literally designing websites for people now, do, does the buy my future subscribers, do they get a website now? If yeah, that's part absolutely. Of your... If that's what I build, 
Wow. So yeah, I, I am, the way that I look at this is lifetime customer value, right? So you, you mentioned you had $10,000 in products. I look at mine as about $4,500 in products. And so what I've looked at is like, do I have anybody who's actually paid me for all of my things across the board? And it's a very, very, very small handful of people. So I'm thinking about this from the perspective of, well, how can I maximize the value per customer that I have and know that they're going to get the maximum value from me? I'm going to get the maximum profit from them. And that becomes a really great exchange that doesn't happen very often in business. You know, we're not getting that off, you know, oftentimes. And so it doesn't scare me that, let's say, 200 people buy my future during, because it's only open for two weeks. So if someone goes to buymyfuture.com after October 6th, I'm sorry you won't be able to purchase my future, uh, which is, again, so weird to say. Um, but if, you, if there's 200 people, that means that, okay, any project I create going forward, I have to think, I have 200 beta testers. I have 200 people who can give me feedback. Yes, these are people who I won't make money from, but they're people who know people. They're people who love what I do, obviously, because they've invested in me in the long run. And it's really interesting to see, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen, you know, when I launch a new project, because this might be my word of mouth army that's just sitting there waiting. You know, they're like, oh, well, I got this, but now I need right. to go tell my friends. I was about friends. to say, do you think, who do you anticipate is going to buy your future? Do you think it's your biggest fans? Do you think that you're actually going to be creating this really amazing little tribe of people that are actually paying you to be a part of that? I mean, that's really cool. What And I'm, I'm curious, too, like what your expectations are as far as how many people do you want to sign up and how many, like, what's your low number and what's your high number? If you don't mind me asking. No, no. I So I wrote a 60-day journal leading up to this project, and I basically revealed everything except for what the project was. So in, I think it was in like the third day, I talked about my, my goals, public goals, which was the low number of 100, which I absolutely think I can hit, and a high goal of 1,000, because that would be the first project that I've done a million dollars basically at the launch. And it's completely arbitrary. Like I don't need a million dollars. I don't. And I think that there are a lot of business owners out there, a lot of people out there who want to squeeze every dime and dollar out of every project. I've done that. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live a comfortable life. I want to enjoy it. So I want to see what happens if I do this and let's say 500 people sign up. And so I'm going to have a Slack community for this as well. Well, what does the Slack community look like with 500 people? Because if it's too noisy and I can't keep up and I can't give the one-on-one that I want to give to those tribe members, I might close it off. I might say like, no more people because it's too many. I don't want to be the guy who's like, no one can get access to me. No one can talk to me. That's not the point. I want to build that highly inclusive tribe like you just mentioned. Um, So I'm really excited for that. And, you know, I think the other thing that this brings up for me is, yes, my fans and, and customers and people will buy, but I also am building stuff that helps people think more creatively. It helps people grow and make money with their businesses, and it helps people just become uh, better versions of themselves, I think, because I've become that, and I've learned so much over the years, and I'm not a woo-woo guy, you know? Like, I, you can tell I've, I've learned a lot about this stuff, and I believe in it because it's made a big impact. So if people like that and that resonates with them, then I think my future is for them. <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't, then that's cool, too. You know, I don't need every customer to buy to make this a successful uh, project. And so I just want to point out that Buy My Future launches today, September 22nd, and it will be shutting down October 6th. Yes. My future is closed October 6th, but I will, eat, I will be eating a lot of kale salads after that. So don't worry. I'm going to be very healthy for a long time. I'm so fascinated. I kind I I want to buy your future just out of morbid curiosity. Like, what's life <laughs> going to be like with me in 30 years, Jason? If See, I buy you for a thousand dollars, and I think this is such an intriguing thing that I hope other people do this. 
if their businesses allow it, right? If what they do allows it where you don't have to give up a lot of your time. Because for me, this is not like a giving up a lot of my personal time. This is me giving people access to my work. But this is also me saying, if I sell 200 of these or whatever, I make $200,000 over the course of two weeks, which is freaking amazing. And then for the next maybe year or two years, I don't have to sell a single thing. Like how beautiful is that? I will just be creating and that's what I do best. And so I'll be able to say, you know what, Kathleen and Emily, I'm, I'm going to make something just for you because you guys have this awesome, you know, creative business that you're doing at this awesome podcast. Well, I think I can help you. And here's exactly what I'm building for you. And maybe I build something for you. And that's the opportunity where that morbid curiosity that you have, I want to be able to fulfill that. I want to be able to do things with that where I could never do that now because it's impossible to scale that. It's impossible to do that on a daily basis where I can make that money. Well, if I have a bank of money where I'm taken care of, now I can. All right, here's another question. I find that a lot of creatives, and Emily, you might see this too, like they need the pressure of a deadline or the pressure of needing to pay the bills or the pressure of something to be creative, right? So let's say you sell 200 of these, you make $200,000 in a week, you have all this freedom to create. I find that freedom, too much freedom. I mean, I know people who are independently wealthy with trust funds and they're not doing a lot because they don't have to. So I'm really curious how you're going to, if, well, one, if you need that pressure to be creative and then how you're going to continue to put the pressure on yourself to produce things, um, even with a little bit of cushion. Yeah. So this is a, I like to answer this question in this way. When I go on vacation, 30 minutes in, I'm bored out of my mind. I'm bored. I, I can't, I, I cannot, I'm all for breaks. I'm all for space. I'm all for, you know, doing that is good and I will find a way to make it happen, but I'm always going. My brain is always going. My superpower is that I can't stop creating. And that's the perfect illustration of that writing, right? Like a million words in two years. I'm not going to say it was easy for me because there were days when it was hard, but it wasn't hard. It wasn't like arduous. It didn't take like a ton of effort for me because that's how I'm wired. And I've, I've come to un understand that and appreciate that. And that's my way, my way. Wow. That's my way. That's <laughs> why my website is jasondoesstuff.com because I do stuff and I get stuff done and I don't have that, that hurdle of, I need a deadline to get things done. Now I totally appreciate that people do. And I think that if that's something you know about yourself, then maximize that, right? Like find a way that like, Oh, I need a deadline today. I need a deadline this week. I need a deadline this month. You know, for me, that cushion, if anything, I think it's just going to be able to create more space in my mind where now I don't have to think about the selling and the pressure of the making of the money. And now my brain can even hopefully have more creative thinking and more problem solving time. Um, at least that's the hope. I don't know. I may just buy a yacht and disappear. I don't know how much yachts <laughs> cost, so maybe I won't, but, uh, I really believe this is going to set me up for just the creation process and, and maximizing that. All right. If I buy your future and you buy a yacht, can we hang out? Yes, you are. I will. I will. I will commit to this on the Being Boss podcast. If I buy a yacht, all by my future members can have a ride on the yacht. So you're free to ride. I don't know if this is going to happen, but sure. I'm going to pretend to be Beyonce on <laughs> yes. your yacht. We're just going to we're going to make it rain. Then we're going to pick I'm all that money back up. Periscope that. Yes. Yeah, I, I am. I'm really excited about where this is going to lead because I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years, but. I've loved the creation process. I've loved the writing process. I've yet loved the building of these apps, you know, creating courses, you know, the, all the stuff that I do with Paul Jarvis is so much fun for me. I mean, we just, we, we come up with ideas, uh, you know, we, we put them out into the world. They solve problems for people. We get these emails from people like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for creating this thing. It helped me overcome the fear that I've had for like 10 years. 
like that, that, that is such a cool feeling. And I know that other entrepreneurs can relate to that with the work that they're putting out into the world. So yeah, I'm just really hoping that, that this by my future project allows me to have a lot more space for things like that. Uh, I have to say, Jason, I think that you are like the physical embodiment of like my creative entrepreneur canon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Like, like this, this idea of using your life to create things to, for people, but also to create wealth for yourself so you can live the life that you want to live. Like, this is exactly what I feel myself preaching to one, myself constantly, but also to my clients who feel like weighed down by like structure that's imposed by someone else or these ideas that they have to choose one thing and do that forever or or who who get so caught up in like one-on-one engagements or whatever it may be that they don't really see the possibilities and what happens when you just sort of trust your gut, you create what you want to create and you add value and pour passion into it and then see what happens. Because if you love what you do as much as you do and as much as like the best creative entrepreneurs do, people are going to buy it. And they're going to support you and your message and whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. And you're going to get those emails like that. Because if you're out there to change lives, you will change lives. And that is like, that's why we all do what we do. And you're doing it. So like, bow down to Jason. Yeah. And it's, and it's <laughs> I think we have a new boss boyfriend. I know. Yeah, see ya, Paul. No, it. I'm just kidding. You guys can both be boss boyfriends. You are no longer the third wheel. Yes. <laughs> Yes. No, I listen, I, I so appreciate that. And I, it's not always been that way. You know, it's, it's been a grind. It's been hard work. It's been getting a hundred thousand dollars in debt. It's been having businesses that, you know, I thought were going to be the thing I was going to do for the rest of my life and them not being that. Um, and it's been a lot of people telling me no and that I can't do. I mean, all of my businesses before this were so sponsor related and, when you're trying to get sponsorships for things, it's incredibly hard. You're hearing no a lot. And I think a lot of people with whatever their creative business is, they're probably hearing no in some way. And and sometimes it's quiet no's. It's the no's of you put something up for sale and no one buys, right? And I think there's a post that I should write about that of, you know, not trying to let the quiet no's affect you and affect the outcome of your projects. Because so often we put things out into the world and someone doesn't like it or someone doesn't retweet it or someone doesn't buy it. And we think that that's a reflection on the quality of that thing. And no, maybe it's just the timing wasn't right. Maybe it's just, it wasn't the right, it wasn't, you know, pitched the right way or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I've just learned so much over the years. I have so much more to learn. I have so much more to experience. And I really hope that this tribe of people who buys my future help me grow. And they help me realize that I do have a lot more to offer the world and that they're basically giving me permission to not worry about the selling of all these projects and to just create and to just put things out into the world that hopefully make a small dent in people's problems. And, you know, hopefully some of these projects make a small dent in the world in some way. Um, I don't typically think like that, but I think that this could be the first project that actually helps me set something up like that. Are you at all afraid of ruining your life with this project? No, not at all. I mean, I think that there are enough kind of things in place where, uh, you, you know, the terms and conditions itself, like you don't get access to my kids, you don't get any financial dividends from these projects. Um, you know, the, all that stuff that people are going to kind of agree to when they buy. And it's not even scary stuff. It's just covering myself from like the baseline. Um, I firmly believe that the work that I've done over the years, the work that I'm going to do, it's deserved for those people to get that. And it's not going to hold me back. It's not going to slow me down. And, you know, there was one part of me that was like, you know, I kind of want to offer like an hour long call with every person that buys. 
But that does hamstring me into a lot of one-on-one time, a lot of personal time. But that's not saying that I won't do that eventually, right? Like I might just say, hey, there's a hundred of you in here. Like I'm going to do quarterly calls with everybody. That's guaranteed. But maybe I just want to get on the phone with every one of these people anyway and just say, what are you working on? What are you like? Like, what are your problems? What do you, what do you need? Because then I can create something for that, that, that they can then spread and that they can then use going forward. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the signups themselves and then what those people do, how it really does dictate. I know that you said there would be one project that's dictated by the group, but even on a more subtle nuanced level, how the, how many people sign up for this and, and what their projects are and what they're, you know, what, who they are, how that's going to affect what you end up doing. I mean, it could take you on a whole new career path. Like, let's say you had only writers sign up or, you know, or, you know, a big majority. Um, that'll be kind of interesting too. Yeah. I'm so curious about this. <laughs> well, I'm, going, I'm, I'm signing up I, that's, just cause I'm so curious. That's amazing. I, number one, thank you. Cause that, that like, that validation is is so cool to hear, right? And I think we all crave that so much in our life uh, of getting some type of validation, whether it's financial or, or just verbal. Um, but I think the other thing that you're right, this could change the trajectory of my life and, and where my business life goes and how this is going to evolve me as a person. And I'm excited for that. Like that lights me up because as creative entrepreneurs, I, I think we feed off of that stuff. You know, like you said, all of the businesses that you've done have come from decisions, not necessarily from dreams. It's such a cool thing that I now have a lot of decisions that are going to come in front of me from a lot of different people, and I can't wait to see what that shapes and how that happens. And full transparency, I'm going to put this out there fully transparently. Ooh, I didn't mess that up. Uh, so I'll tell everybody after this is done how many people purchased it, how many people you know emailed through, because I want this project in itself to also be completely open. So that people can learn from it and they can see how I did it, exactly what went into it, um, all the work that that I did up to that point, and then afterwards what that kind of led to. Uh, Because I don't think there's enough of that. I think there's too much of the build a billion dollar company type goals. Well, no. What if you just wanted to build your own creative outleted entrepreneurial business that's your own unique way and your own crazy way and you can glean something from what I did with this project – that to me seems really cool. And that seems And fun. that's what I love so much about both you and Paul and why I um, latched on to Invisible Office Hours so much is because I feel like you guys openly share your gifts of knowledge. So anytime Paul does something, I'm like, okay, I need to do my e-course that way. And I never fear that he's going to get mad. Like I told him because um, on his e-course, he does these quarterly classes or no, I think monthly. And so I was like, I'm going to add that. I'm going to add a quarterly class to my e-course because that is such amazing added value. And then I asked him, Hey, how do you do that? And he's like, crowdcast, you know? So this um, sharing of knowledge between creatives, I think is so huge. And I think that it only uplifts all of us. And that's another thing I love about the being boss Facebook group is that that's almost 4,000 people who are constantly just exchanging information and openly lifting each other up. So um, just, you know, kudos to you. I think it's so cool. I I feel like I could buy your future for $1,000 and then throw up that same offer in a week and you wouldn't be mad about it. Oh, no, I hope so. I hope that other creators do this because I think it will get them out of the have to be selling, have to be creating the funnels, the marketing, the squeeze pages, like, ugh, you know? I know. How cool if you like end up creating an entire model that helps people take the ick out of selling. And even if you don't feel icky selling, because I don't, I think of it as simply explaining. And I think people get, um, I think what I'm putting out into the world 
makes it better. So like, I never feel guilty, but, um, I know a lot of creatives do. And so to create a model where you feel good selling, and I think you've also done that with the, Oh, what is it? Your app where you build on. Yeah. Bump sell. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that you've done that and that's really cool that that's become one of your focuses is kind of shifting how you sell. Yeah. And, and I, I really honestly hope that, you know, there's so many internet marketers out there that give so many things a bad name. Even the word webinar now has like a connotation. Ebook has a connotation. You know, we think of all these things that have just gotten tarnished by the pe- affiliates. You know, I'm I'm doing partners with Buy My Future because I hate the word affiliates and it sounds icky and sleazy to me. But these are people like Paul, who I trust and who I have context with and I have a history with and a creation with. And there's only 16 of them. There's not like 100. They're handpicked by me. Um, we're doing, you know, very interesting, you know, random things. Um, but I want to do it in a way that feels good to me. And I feel like everybody else should do the same thing. So if selling your future as a creative entrepreneur doesn't feel good to you, then do not do it. But if it sounds like something that could be interesting, maybe find your own way of doing that. You know, maybe use Patreon. That's a great, a great tool for people who want to get patronage from the, you know, their audience, their fans, their followers. Um, there's a lot of different things out there that you can do. And I think it's just looking at the world a little bit differently, not seeing things the way that they are, but seeing things the way that they can be and being okay with giving that a shot to make that happen. And I want to go ahead and disclaim here, we're going to include a link to by my future, but I want to note that we are not partners or affiliates of it. Um, we just think it's really cool. So we're, and I think it's fun and really just curious to talk about. I'm so curious to see how it turns out. You and um, me both. Any, <laughs> <laughs> Emily, do you have any other questions for Jason? Um, I want to know out of all the weird things that you've done in the past, all of your weird projects, what has been your favorite? Oh, you can't pick a you can't pick a favorite kid. Um, yes, you can. <laughs> you know, I, moms, I, we can say I that. will say that um, the book Creativity for Sale. I I was very happy that it made seventy five thousand bucks. But as we mentioned very clearly in this, that's not the highest grossing thing that I've done by far. Um, it took a lot of work to get to that point, um, but the results of that book. It's never been a bestseller, which I love to say because everyone says, oh, my book's a bestseller. Well, what's it a bestseller in? Oh, it's in entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship for cats, entrepreneurship for cats who like kittens, entrepreneurship for cats who like kittens and yarn. Like it's the most ridiculous category that people say they're a bestseller in. So anyway, sorry, soapbox. Um, But I get emails probably once a week or twice a week from people that say, Jason, reading your journey and how authentic you, you told your story and you peeled back all these layers and you shared all your mistakes it made me feel so good and it made me feel like I was doing things, you know, the right way and that uh, you gave me permission to take a chance in my life and to do something different. And I can't tell you how much, like how happy that makes me feel when I read those. I mean, it's people might think I'm just saying it, but it makes me so much happier to get that than it does to get a thousand dollars because I'm changing someone's life. I'm making an impact on them that they didn't even see for themselves. So if I have to pick a favorite child, I'm picking the the little green one uh, that's a six by nine inch book that I just never was sure what would happen with it. I just wanted to do it. I wanted to put it out into the world and I just loved what's come of it. So, um, you know, I have to give Paul Jarvis credit for that because he wrote the write your damn book free course that I took and I was going to write a book like other nonfiction writers. You know, I was going to just put it out there and, you know, here's a business book. And I read that thing and it was just, you know, Paul gave me permission to be like, no, let me write my book. And if people like it, then people like it. And if they don't, screw them. Um, but I just, I'm really happy with the way that turned out. Um, okay, Jason, I have a little bit more of a personal question. You have a family. Yeah. 
I have a, a life partner, as I call my girlfriend, um, because we have interesting views on marriage. Um, and I have a Staffordshire Bull Terrier named Plaxico Burris Wiggles Zook. Yes, he has four names because he's amazing. Um, yes, so that's that's my little family. Okay, whenever you said earlier, you said you don't have access to my kids. I thought maybe you had kids. No kids, no kids yet. We will have kids at some point. Small little weird Jasons running around. Not going to call them all Jason, but yes, at some point. Well, I'm curious to see what happens with By My Future whenever you have kiddos running around. I know. I know. I might just say like, hey, can you guys watch these kids? Like, you guys <laughs> you guys bought into right, this. Can you babysit? Yes. See, I'm, I'm most curious as to what you're going to name them. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. With I, I said this when I was in college that my dog or my first child was going to be named Plaxico because that name is amazing. And I think fortunately for the child, the dog came first. So, But I'm not a conventional name person, as you can probably tell. Like I have a conventional name, but I'm looking forward to having like a Maximilian or like a, I don't know, something interesting or different or, or maybe just like a weird, like a cumulonimbus, you know, like just like a crazy weird name. The kid's going to hate me growing up, but he'll love it when he's older. My kiddo's name is Fox. Nice. Love it. Like, it's a little different. And I wanted to name him Spike, but I was worried that – I was worried that he might be a bully. Yeah. I and mean, if he was a bully named Spike, that's just – but if he was, like, a really cute nerd yep. and then named Spike, that would be a cute contrast. But I – you know, it's funny because earlier you were talking about last names and selling your name and not being attached to it. I've never really identified with my first name. Mm. It does seem, you know, this is, this is not a negative comment whatsoever. And I don't think you'll take it this way. It does seem a little plain for how awesome you are, you know? Well, uh, thank you. (laughs) Right. But like, I feel the same way for me with Jason, like, you know, Jason, like there's a lot of people named Jason, but like, I feel like I'm a really unique one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. The whole name thing, the identity thing. Like I went down a, a deep rabbit hole of trying to figure that out. And when I was selling my last name of like, what's this going to mean? And you know, what, what am I attached to and what matters to me? And, um, I got in my headspace pretty deep and then I, you know, kind of pulled my way out of it. So, you know, it's funny because whenever I'm branding other creative entrepreneurs, they get really stressed out about the name. Like, what am I going to name my business? Should I use my name? Should I use my business name? And ultimately, and I probably even feel this way about my own name a little bit. I don't think it really matters. I totally like, agree. It, and and I know that that's a big part of your brand is maybe your name, but I think it really is more about what you do and who you are. Um, and even whenever I think about my friends, I don't think about their names. I think about who they are. So yeah, I, th- I name everyone something else. Like nice. I call very few people by their actual name. And I, I guess I will to their face. I'm a, but... nickname- I'm a nicknamer as well. I'm also a nicknamer. Yeah. Like I just, I don't know. Again, I think it's that like, bucking convention where I'm like, I'm not going to call you what your real name is. I'm going to give you a weird name. That's unique to me. But yeah, Kathleen, I totally relate to that on the, it doesn't matter what you name your business. It really doesn't. Your business, if it's great, then whatever it's called will work. And I think the only thing for new businesses, you know, as we live in this like crazy weird digital age is just trying to have an easy to remember domain. Like that to me is the only thing that like just trying to have an easy to remember domain. That's why all of mine are like, I wear your shirt, buy my last name, sponsor my book, uh, buy my future. You know, they're all I really simple. I love how, simple. like, just say what you mean you are. Yeah. Just say <laughs> what you mean. Very literal with my business names and URLs, but people remember them, you know, and I think that's the important part is you want to be memorable. Um, so do something amazing so that that helps people remember you as well. I agree. All right. Um, is there anything else that you want to add or say? Where can people find you? 
I think the the big thing is I'm selling my future, you know, so let's go to buymyfuture.com. You can find all my other stuff by Googling me if you'd like to do that. But um, that's that's my big enchilada right now that I'm putting out into the world. So I want people to check that thing out. Well, we will be sure to put that one in the show notes and we'll put a couple of other ways that people can contact you in case they're listening to this after October 6th. Um, Jason, it was so good to have you on the show and I can't wait to do a project with the four of us, with me and Emily and you and Paul. We're going to have to call it like being boss invisible time or invisible boss hours. Or <laughs> I think it was uh, invisible on... boss hours is okay. what we, okay. Or maybe bossy, bossy hours. Being invisible. There's already been a conversation. <laughs> Here's a question. <laughs> Here's actually a logistical question. Let's say in the future, you and I collaborate on a project and release it together how does that affect by my future any collaboration stuff has to be agreed upon by the collaborating party so like paul for instance paul and i have already talked about it and he's like anything we create you can give to buy my future first and we don't like they don't have to be customers for it Um, but i'll totally bring it up with anybody i'm working with and say can we include this and if the other person says no then i'll just say no and i'll let the community know hey this is not something the collaborator wanted to include that's you agreed to that in the terms and conditions. So that is just a for sale thing that you can buy if you want. And I'm sorry, you can't have free access to it. But it might be interesting to see how you sell it to future collaborators. Like, Hey, here's why you should make this accessible to my people. Well, and like I said, what I've experienced, I think there's so much word of mouth potential there. I think there's a whole group of people who will push any new projects. And if you say, Hey, they can't buy this. Well, now they're going to have kind of like a negative look at it. Or if you say like, Hey, you get this for free as a part of, you know, Jason's future. Will you share it? Will you talk about it? You now have 200, you know, people who have their own audiences that they can share it with. And I think that's more powerful than the couple people who might buy it. And it'll be so cool to see what kind of community you create. Sorry, we keep going back to buy my future. This is really not supposed to be so. Kathleen's mind I, right it now. really <laughs> is blowing my mind, and I'm really not trying to be like salesy about it. I really am just incredibly curious, like what kind of community you end up creating from buy my future, and how much they support each other. Um, it'll just be really interesting to see. Yeah. And I think you guys probably know that very well from your own Facebook group that has almost 4,000 people, which is amazing, um, that you see a lot of collaboration, you see a lot of conversation. And I want that to happen, you know, with the buy my future community, because now everyone's on the same playing field, just like they are in yours. And it's, you know, we, Hey, we all have opted into Jason, but here's what we do and here's how we can help each other. Um, and I know Paul, you know, he's mentioned on a couple occasions that his creative class group and the Slack group, like so many people are hiring each other because most freelancers hire other freelancers. And that's such a cool thing that I'll look forward to for my community. I'm sure it happens in yours. And I think that's just one of the added benefits that you can't tangibly see if you're thinking about purchasing or whatever that, hey, this just might, it might be something that happens. You might meet someone, you might meet your life partner in there. I have no idea. Maybe I'm creating like a little dating community. Who knows? (laughs) Well, it seems like a really good, solid gamble. (laughs) I think so. I think it is. I mean, I'm going to be around for a while. I'm a pretty healthy guy. I just went on a hike this morning. Like, I eat a lot of kale. We're going to be good to go. (laughs) Good to know. Glad you're investing in yourself that way. Let's say I buy your future and you get hit by a bus tomorrow. Can I get a front row seat at your funeral? Um, (laughs) Paul and I talked about this in our death episode. I will have a death party. It's morbid to say but you can come to the death party where everyone will celebrate me and well, you'll have a great time and it will not be a sad, somber affair because if I'm going out, you're going to go out and remember me doing something awesome and, you know, having fun. So yes, you may come to that. Perfect. All right. And I only mentioned that because I knew that you guys did a death episode, which also I'm pretty morbid. So I love that episode. 
Yeah, it was fun. It was, you know, you guys talk about a lot of things that a lot of people wouldn't talk about too, right? And I think that's why we get along so well because all this stuff, like, we, we tiptoe around it. Why? Why? You know, like, let's just be authentic and let's just have these conversations and not be, oh, no, you can't talk about death and you can't talk about these things. Why not? Why not talk about them? You know, why not peel the layers back and, and actually have conversations? So uh, this has been awesome. I've had a lot of fun with you ladies. You are super fun to chat with. And we are kindred podcast spirits. I definitely yes. see us. Yes, yes. Um, well, thanks again for coming on to Being Boss. And we will uh, see you whenever we do a project together. Sounds like fun. Hey, bosses. I'm going to take a second to interrupt this episode to tell you that if you're liking being boss and you're ready to level up your game, we've got something just for you. Check out the Being Boss Bundle. It's Kathleen's DIY Coaching for Creatives and my Get Your Shit Together series bundled together at one low price just for you bosses. You can find that at lovebeingboss.com bundle. If you like being boss, be sure to sign up for our newsletter at lovebeingboss.com where you'll get episode worksheets, secret content, and other goodies delivered straight to your inbox every week. Again, that's lovebeingboss.com. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.